every person is their own little snowflake. Their bodies are different. They move differently. You know, if you look at runners, they all run differently. And that's the way it should be, right? Maybe not. We're going to find out more about that on today's episode of The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, starting feet first, because those things are your foundation after all, where we break down the propaganda, the mythology, sometimes the outright lies you've been told about what it takes to run or walk or hike or do yoga or play or do CrossFit or dance, whatever it is you like to do, and to do that enjoyably, efficiently, effectively. And did I mention enjoyably? I know I did. It was a trick question. Because look, if you're not having fun, do something different till you are. Life is way too short to put yourself through more stress. Anyway, we call this the movement movement because we're creating a movement that involves you. It's really simple. I'll tell you how in a second about natural movement. We're trying to help people rediscover that natural movement, using your body the way it's designed to move, is the obvious, better, healthy choice the way we currently think of natural food. The movement part that involves you is really simple. Just spread the word, share it however you can. Go to our website, www.jointhemovementmovement.com. You'll find previous episodes. You'll find all the places you can interact with the podcast. You'll find all the places you can interact with us on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And all the ways that you can spread the word, share and like, and give us a thumbs up and hit the bell icon um, on YouTube, subscribe. So you hear about upcoming episodes. In short, if you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. I'm Stephen Sashin, your host, um, the CEO of ZeroShoes.com and the host of the Movement Movement Podcast. And I'm very happy to have um, with us today, Dr. Nicholas Romanoff. And um, Nick, welcome. It is a pleasure to have you here. Um, why don't you do me a favor by starting and just telling people in brief who you are and what you do and why what I said at the beginning of this is um, completely not true. <laughs> I'm glad to be on your show. Oh, it's a pleasure. You, you are a very sparkling soul <laughs> and uh, very much alive. And this is what I do like about you. Well, and you. Um, uh, not much uh, around people who are producing so much uh, living uh, sparks. <laughs> very, very sweet. But enough about me. Let's talk about you. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, at least uh, I have to mention that why I'm here because of you. <laughs> well, thanks. And here, I'll preface that. you I mean, it was a, a real treat that you and your son Severin were passing through town a few weeks ago. We got together, um, spent a few hours talking about running and life and everything that we know. Um, and really, I had a wonderful, wonderful time. I learned new things about what you're doing that I didn't understand before, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, because I'm sure I'm not the only one who has some misunderstandings about what you do. And you'll say more about that in a second. And I really was looking forward to diving in more deeply into the work you've been doing for all this time, clearing up the confusions and helping people run, walk, hike, do everything better based on, you know, what you've been doing for what, almost 50 years. <laughs> it's a number which could get scared. You. <laughs> Trust me, when, when, I, when I say things like, I remember when I was doing that thing 50 years ago, oh my God, I'm going to be 59 soon. That is crazy. All right. I will not mention who, how old I will be soon in a couple of days. Hey, Let, when, hold on, when's your birthday? May 25th. Oh my gosh, happy almost birthday. I'm three yeah. weeks behind you. So it's, um, so we will pass this. Uh, okay. And uh, about me, um, I am uh, a teacher. Uh, this is what how I. I'm not sales person. And I'm not a businessman. <laughs> My son is, but not me. 
And I'm a scientist, and this is what my background, this is what I'm coming from. And uh, I should probably mention that uh, I'm founder of uh, Paul's Method, what's known in the so, yeah, so let's start with this. What many people know you for and what most people and what most people misunderstand is what you call pose method and pose method running. And that's what we're going to dive into. And let's also say for the fun of it, so people don't keep guessing, you're originally from Russia. <laughs> My accent probably will be. Um, I was going to guess revealing. New Jersey. Originally, most people will think New Jersey, but they're wrong. And, uh, plus, my name doesn't um, resemble anything from Eastern country. <laughs> no, well, of course. Well, that's the Asia. other. Well, that's the other question people might ask. You know, are you a Romanov from the Romanovs or a different Romanov? I'm trying to keep this open. You know? <laughs> Uh, whatever if people like this attachment my name to that uh, line of bloodline of uh, Romanos it's fine I don't (laughs) negate this (laughs) yes could be no depends on what right I like Uh, once in the Mexican consulate at the consul when he did this paperwork for me he told you look like a lost czar, uh, and uh, I know someone for the, from this family, and I will ask them about <laughs> oh, who, who is hiding there <laughs> in Miami, Florida. <laughs> oh my God, that would be hysterical. So, right. All right. So, I guess we can do this in reverse order. So, you've been for quite a number of years teaching pose method running, but let's back up and say a bit more about you know you and where you you know what you where you came from, if you will, and what led you to pose method before we dive into what pose method is and how it can be so helpful for people. A short introduction in this case. Uh, I would hate to listen to someone who will be going on with these things, <laughs> my past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm former university professor, head of the department of sport discipline, who was teaching, it's called physical education, sport training, sport biomechanics. So this is what I, and I was head coach of track and field team in my university. I have PhD in this um, field. I defend this in uh, Moscow. Right now it's an academy uh, of physical culture and sport. My teachers were incredibly high-level scientists and the most prominent scientists in Soviet Union. And I'm proud about this. It was the Professor Dichkov, who was a coach of the, one of the best uh, high jumpers in the history, Valery Brumel. Mm. So I'm coming from this school, and I'm very much proud of this. And I got tremendous education there besides that uh, it's such a name you know which you, yeah. you're proud to be attached to <laughs> and um, Paul's method was born in 1977 but the starting point was when I started work in my own faculty where I was invited as a teacher after finishing this I spent one year in your uh, Soviet Union army <laughs> oh my and yeah, it was a sport division, but still, uh, I had uh, three times shooting range with AKM <laughs> 47. <laughs> it's procedure, but mostly I was trained and performed for the 
that the army region. <laughs> mm. So when I came back from army, uh, I was invited to my own faculty, joined this as an assistant uh, teacher on the track and field and a coach of the uh, university. So it was my starting point. And then when I start teach uh, my students track and field, I understood that uh, in spite of my high level of education, <laughs> I'm laughing on this now. <laughs> I mean, I finished with honor diploma, you know, so I had kind of illusion that I'm a very educated man and <laughs> knowledgeable. <laughs> I think, probably, that, I think that's a very common delusion that one. Yeah, yes, it was. After all, I understood that I'm not alone. <laughs> 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 but uh, that illusion or delusion of uh, possessing some knowledge uh, cost me lots of suffering, you know, basically. Uh, I do remember somebody from great thinkers told that actually all our institutions, universities, do not teach you really to be uh, okay in life, you know? Mm -hmm. Basically, it's a diploma, nothing to do with your job after. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I have a lot of friends, especially who studied very specific things like medicine or law even, which you would think law is very specific. And I always ask them, how much of what you do now is based on what you learned in school? And I've never heard anyone answer with more than 20%. It's probably overestimated. <laughs> yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> because in my case, I felt at that time when I started teaching my students that I am a complete moron, <laughs> <laughs> uneducated, ignorant, <laughs> and I tried to cover up as much as possible with anything <laughs> because I was a little track and field athlete. I was a high jumper. So at least I could move, you know, right. <laughs> and it was not excuse for teaching, but uh, cover up, yes. <laughs> and then uh, my um, uh, that condition of um, uh, embarrassing, <laughs> growing, <laughs> and yeah. I was thinking, what the hell I was supposed to do? I have no idea how to teach this all. This. <laughs> well, I saw that these textbooks, wonderful textbooks, but there was no method of teaching. Mm. You understand? This yeah. realization came to me as a uh, like a thunderstorm <laughs> among the, the very nice day, <laughs> you know, like sunny and sunny, poof. And my choice was not much, like two choices. Or my option was like pretend to be knowledgeable. Like <laughs> it's a stupid condition completely. Yes. And mind bothering and mind blowing condition. Or start looking for something to solve this problem. Right. And I chose that one. <laughs> I started wait, digging. Wait, I want to back up a little bit. So what were you actually experiencing that led you to realize that you didn't have a methodology, an effective methodology for teaching? Was it that you weren't getting results with the athletes you were working with? Right. No, it was my students on the faculty. Ah. It, it, it's a future uh, coaches um, and teachers in, in PE and coaches in different sports, but they have to go through. Track and field is one of the foundation. It's a right. 
queen of the sports. You, you know this, right? Yeah, almost every sport involves running in some way or jumping. Yes. Right. And it, three years, of course, do you understand? Mm-hmm. It's so big. Theory and practice. Right. So I start from practice. The theory later on, I start to this when I become senior lecturer. But first it was practice and practice was zero, you know, because suddenly you're realizing that what called exercising, they are not teaching what you want to teach your students. And you have to ask them after that, pass that exams, you know. Right. It's a shame, you know, how the hell you can ask somebody pass exam if you didn't teach them. <laughs> That's a good point. Right. Then the realization came that in track and field, you understand the technical events. Yeah. Like track and field. Field events is technical events. Right. It's a discus throwing, javelin throwing, shot put, you, you see, uh, hammer throwing, <laughs> um, hurdles, high jumping. And in high jumping, we're supposed to teach them five different styles because it's history of high jumping from simple scissors to the uh, Fosbury. And you need to show them everything, method, exercise, how, theory, and nothing almost, you know. And I stuck. And I start digging into the field professionally now. (laughs) One textbook after another, articles and so on and no answer Mm. no method of teaching that was crucial and that realization dropped my jaw down because i had illusions that we have it it was a basically collection of exercise what we call method like that whole exercise performance or the breakdown exercise performance it's called method it right. was not method, it's just uh, laughing. <laughs> you cannot explain how to do for the students. And that would lead me. So at best, you're going to see things like, you know, strength programs or drills, but no actual method for teaching the thing that you're doing. It's correct. Right. Yeah. Got it. The way of doing. So, but it's, uh, you see, method by itself, it's based on the theory, on the concept. Right. Right. And there is no such a thing was. <laughs> well, I'm guessing that the basic idea or the, the basic reason for a lack of method for teaching, say, you know, running specifically, is that people just think, well, everyone knows how to run. I mean, all you have to do is yeah, so, uh, some drills the, uh, people know how to run. What do you need to teach? It's a misconception uh, what um, possessed by most of people. You right. Know, that notion that uh, running is natural is confusing point completely, you know. If you think that it's like that, it should be like you're born and you run, you know. Right. And people consider that it's happened in the animal's world like that, you know. But it's not. They're still learning as well, you know. And you would think, I mean, it's an interesting thing because nobody necessarily thinks that of swimming. They think you definitely need to learn how to swim, even though you could put someone in water, they could figure out how to move around and never call that swimming. But yet with running, even though there's people who run in these crazy ways that are not effective or efficient in any way, people would say, yeah, but that's still running. That's the same thing as what Usain Bolt's doing. That's the same thing. You know, it's a very, it is a very interesting uh, bit of confusion. No one from the greatest athletes in the world in running Mm. never taught us how to run properly. Right. 
I'm very much serious about my statement right now because yeah. I studied this <laughs> and I was looking what um, greatest runners in the world were saying about how to run. Right. I will tell you something like would blow your mind, like interview with uh, Herb Elliot, one of the legends, you know, Australian 1500 meters runner from 50s, an Olympic champion. He, when I sent him my book at the time and uh, asked him his opinion, he told, oh, uh, your book has absolutely sense for me, but in my time, we didn't think how to run. We just run. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, and I think this is the way most of us, most people think is that there really isn't a method for teaching running because people don't think they need to learn how to run because they know how to run. And yet... That way, the only thing that distinguishes someone who runs well, whether they're competing or just running recreationally, but doing that efficiently and uh, without injury, for example, um, they're just, you know, somehow unusual. They're somehow freaks. But what you're saying is that you started to discover this is where we're going, that there is actually a method for teaching an effective way of running that's common to those elite runners, for example, that right. when, you, when you can break that down, then you can teach that to anybody. But in science community, it was a long time ago, was established kind of thought that uh, elite runners cannot be as a model's because it doesn't mean that they know how to run and right. they run properly, you see? Right. It was a very well-known kind of um, understanding, but people still thinking this way. Even practice was saying absolutely opposite. Interesting. Okay, so you've got this idea that now there is there has to be a method after you've realized that no one had one. And then what what were the things, what led you then to, I don't even want to say discovering, although it's a fine word, but I want to say like more uncovering what became Poe's method. Uh, it's discovery. There's nothing else in science. Uh, only discovery. Science does discovery. What well, I'm exists saying, my, in nature. Well, my, the reason I made the distinction, just for the hell of it, is that yeah. it's not like you found what you found was. How do I want to put it? The difference between discovering and uncovering. The uncovering is like this thing was right in front of everyone's face, but they it's didn't correct. Really in, in this case, yes, uncovering yeah. would be proper word. But uh, science, um, the role of science, it's a discovery. Yeah, absolutely. It's not innovation. Innovation, it's a second layer. Yeah, After yeah, yeah. The, when discovered the phenomena, innovative things happening already. This is what we do. Like yeah. shoes, it's innovations. So then you can either jump to what you discovered or you can do the small detour of how you discovered what you discovered. Yeah, it's correct. The detour goes like this. In order to develop method, this is what the problem why method didn't exist? Because method based on the concept and theory. Mm -hmm. And concept and theory of how to run, for example, didn't exist. Got it. Up to now, except post method, exist uh, some models, something like um, spring mass model, for mm -hmm. example, but it doesn't explain how to run. It's, that's just a description. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. This is the yeah. point. Andre Ampere, a <laughs> long time ago, at the end of 18th, in the beginning of 19th century, he described uh, science history as uh, four stages. And the first stage is a descriptive stage, and the last one, conceptual. Mm. Running science never got to the conceptual <laughs> stage. <laughs> well, I mean, this, the spring mass model that human beings are basically effectively springs of a different mass. It, it is. It is an interesting description of how one moves 
through space, if you will, but it says, but it has nothing to do with how you're actually moving through space. It's, it's sort Absolutely. of the cause. Yeah. More than this, it doesn't teach you how to run. <laughs> exactly. Yes, even more. Okay. So. And I, I had a quite a hot debate on this matter with my colleagues. I'm sure. <laughs> so, and the, the method itself should be based on the concept. So, concept should be first arrive, and then method will be no problem at all. Mm, interesting. That, and I was lucky that it took me only two years to get to this point. But it's probably the uh, it's a prize <laughs> for my <laughs> very dedicated work at this time. Was it more of like an aha moment where it all put itself together, or was it an incremental thing where? No, it, aha! Uh, it's uh, in discoveries. It's all. It's a uh, career uh, describes this how it's happened in mathematics. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I studied at that time exactly these things how uh, discoveries happen. I uh, studied psychology. Um, textbooks about insights, mm. how thought process is working. And I was into this uh, at that point a lot. <laughs> so, but I study obviously events uh, which produce very good movements like ballet, mm. dancing. Yeah. And I was thinking like everyone else, like how the hell they are moving so well. <laughs> you know? yeah. And that is well, one of the key positions in the such process, you know, based. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's the same thing, karate. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't study karate to become a good fighter. I was already a street fighter. I grew up in a bad area. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good technique for becoming a fighter, to grow up in a bad neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, so I had no this problem, but I was amazed how they move, and I had a very good teacher. It's a tan black belt Dan guy yeah, who like studied that. in China, mm. and he become he was a lawyer, but we become friends with him, mm. and I studied from him. It was amazing school for me. So, what was the connection then between ballet and karate that led you to understanding running poses? <laughs> Say more. So that aha moment. So now we're into what really posed. Aha moment. It's October 1977. <laughs> I'm, coming back. Oh, I love I'm, it. I'm coming back from my uh, last class under drizzling rain. And I'm thinking, shit, what the hell is that? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> and then suddenly this aha moment, like everything is so simple. Any movement is going through the poses, uncountable number of poses. And only between that poses exist poses, which we could call key poses, which define the movement which we're looking for. And that's so, it. So to sum it up, and this is what I started to understand from our meeting. So I'm just reiterating. So any given movement, let's talk about ballet, just doing a plie. There's a starting pose. There's an ending yes, pose. It's correct. And those things are very specific. And there's a way then of getting in between them. No, uh, between them, it's automatic. <laughs> yes. Got it. Okay. It's called preceding and the following, you know. Got it. And that pose, if you do properly this pose, the second pose will be uh, reached with no problem. Got it. What happened between them is yeah. uh, what biomechanically already designed in nature. 
So the first pose is basically setting you up automatically for it's them. It's correct. Right. It's initiation. And by pose, we literally mean a set an orientation of your body in space. You know, how it's the position. Spatial, but... temporal, body position. Yeah. And, uh, and mostly it's on the support, mm. on the ground. But there are exist, uh, for example, in high jumping, in long jumping, or they exist in air as well. Right. In acrobatics as well. So right. this thing. But even in acrobatics, I mean, as speaking as a former all-American gymnast, that mm. yes, there's all these things you do in the air, but they set themselves up from the ground. I mean, it's yes. I remember when I watched gymnastics, this hasn't happened in a while, but if I was I remember watching gymnastics with a girlfriend and we're watching on television, and before the gymnast has left the ground, I'm going, Oh, because I know they're gonna crash, because I can yeah, see of course them a mile away. And she's like, How how do you do that? It's like, well, it's obvious. I mean, the setup wasn't there to do the next move any experienced coach defines yeah. this yeah but yeah. intuitively or by experience he would grasp immediately that wrongdoing you know mm -hmm. even he could not uh, cannot explain right. why he decided this but it's there you know yeah, i got it i have to tell you a funny story about it even more than seeing someone in that stance position on the ground and how that affects things. There's something even more. Here's my, my favorite story. So I was going to attempt to do a standing double backflip. This is back in 1978 or so. No one had ever you, done it. You was, so, it seems like younger. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So 1978, I'm going to do a standing double backflip. Now I'm going to have two people give me a little bit of a toss just so I have a little bit of extra air time. I have two people ready to catch in case something goes wrong. My coach, who was a, a five-time national, three-time world tumbling champion and one of the greatest teachers of any sort and coaches ever. He's on the other side of the gym facing away from me, spotting someone on rings with a spotting belt. Okay. So I'm getting all psyched up to do a standing level backflip. And just as I'm about to jump, I see him out of the corner of my eye, stop what he's doing. He spins on his heels and points at me and yells, no. <laughs> and it just shocked me. And I said, what just happened? He goes, suddenly there was this quietness in the room that the only other time I ever felt that was when I tried to do a standing double backflip 10 years ago. And I knew that's, that's what you were about to do. <laughs> Reminiscing. You know yeah, he could just feel it in the air. <laughs> Absolutely. I am... Um completely with that gentleman because <laughs> I felt this millions and millions time yeah. in my own experience and others as well, you know, because movement, uh, when it goes through, mm. create vibration. Mm, good point. It's create expectations, very specific expectations. Yeah. And uh, I was... Always like with my wife, she was still my girlfriend at that time when we walk um, uh, on the street and then other side, like group of boys standing and I would tell her, oh, they will start fight right now. She's like, why are you saying this? And they already fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like, I mean, we are wired to relate to very subtle movements in ways that we right. don't know consciously. You know, you see someone 50 yards away, they take one step and you know who they are if there's someone you know. It's, yeah. We are equipped with this equipment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have this, but we're not developing this, uh, unfortunately. It. Most people are beyond of that threshold and because nobody teaches them. The point? And what's the point? Yeah, you don't. You have to use it in most cases. Okay, so let's get into then the poses and how that uh, applies to running because that's what we're the big thing we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, this is what the theory comes up, you know? Yeah. And concept. 
the major concept in this case. It's a two completely controversial opposing theories because traditional uh, theory, even never proven, but <laughs> this exists never, never so many. It's a muscular work. That's okay. why it create that uh, thing uh, like push off, drive. <laughs> You see these kind of things, pump your arms and so on. And none of this related really with the forward movement, but people still consistently repeat this nonsense or BS to the, because it seems like uh, students perform what they're asking, but students are performing not because they ask to do this, they perform because it's nature and corner them and drive in this direction. Got so it. you want or don't want you do something what happens or if it's not happened, here's the recommendation, drive, mm. push off, triple extension, toe up, it doesn't work. So these, these concepts that people came up with, driving, toe off, this idea of triple extension, basically your hip, your, an- your knee, your ankle, all extending fully yeah. in order to be able to run. All of these, it seems like they came from people who didn't quite have eyes to see. They certainly didn't have a methodology. Yes, and uh, Again, the, they're, looking at, they're looking at what they think are effects and suggesting that that's a method for teaching, but it's really just a, again, it's just a description that's not even necessarily accurate. It's what they, it's called face value mm-hmm. things Got they it. consider. But uh, what is behind this, they didn't see. It was cover up. Yeah. Nature uh, works sometimes in very kind of mysterious ways, uh, own yeah. things. And the cover up right there, you know, you see how extension happened, but nobody pay attention that it's only consequence. Exactly. But, this is the thing that I notice uh, again, is that people they confuse the effect with the cause. And my favorite Correct. version of this is you go to any high school track meet and at the, especially in hundred meters or at the end of a 200 meters, you'll hear, hear the parents yelling to their kids, get your knees up. It's like, oh, no, 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 that you don't lift your knees. Your knees being up is the effect of something you've done on the ground earlier. If it's not happening, you can't make it happen. This classical old drills, what existed in textbooks, yeah. When I developed post method, it was completely taken away. Completely. Mm. It never affected the performance of my athletes. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Well, you know, that's an interesting point to, that you don't necessarily need drills, but I can tell you since you and I met, when I am doing my warm up drills, and I just literally think of them as that, I'm definitely doing them with a very different mindset and a very, um, and I'm definitely moving differently. I'm, I'm basically, I'm focusing on poses in the drills, not doing the drills, thinking that that's going to get me to something else. Right. And I did very simple thing with all my students and sprinters of high level who run 10.3 at the time. Uh, I prohibited them think about push-off completely. <laughs> think even, yeah. not do think yeah, yeah, yeah. even you know and no one of these guys ever had a problem with that <laughs> right more than this my guys over my course of more than 20 years work uh, when i still was in russia never had injuries Do you understand? never interesting okay so now let's dive into the poses that are relevant yeah. to running a uh, concept was a very simple because uh, the other concept which was controversial to the existing paradigm, which called by the Thomas Kuhn <laughs> definition, paradigm. 
set of ideas which fit that group of uh, scientists who are making money and living from by that. But paradigms are changing. Yeah. And uh, these guys are gone, and another guys with new paradigm is coming. <laughs> um, yeah, the, e- the easiest way to change a paradigm is have the people who believe it die. It's, uh, you know, who told this? Max Planck. <laughs> oh, really? That's funny. I didn't know that. Oh, yes, this is what he told. He told, old ideas do not die themselves. They die together with their carriers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and boy, it's perfect for Max Planck. I mean, considering that what he what he was doing was, yeah. you know, a whole new paradigm. Cool, but yeah. he was founder of the this... Um, theory of everything basically yeah. you know quantum yeah. mechanics you know <laughs> so when i read his work like uh, i was uh, when i found this quote i was like my goodness he's damn okay, so right <laughs> I, want to get, I want to get to the poses but i've also got to ask you then based on this idea of, of max planck for example you know when einstein came up with his theory of quantum mechanics and relativity the number of people who understood that at that time you could count on one hand now your average high school student has a very good understanding of these things do you imagine mm-hmm. that over time hopefully before you know in your lifetime the people who the, that handful of people who understood pose method back in the 70s when you discovered this will evolve into the point where everyone gets it and it becomes just the way people yep. think of it yeah that's what i meant this is the goal any science development goes this way that to get 10% of population and then it's spread out like a yeah. fire that is what uh, how it works. Uh, and, and look between you and me, and everyone listening and watching. You know, this is what we think about the whole natural movement thing. That event, that we're going to hit a certain critical mass, which um, is is a metaphor that comes out of quantum physics, um, actually. Yes. And at which point people will realize, rediscover that natural movement is the obvious thing instead of what people have been told from you know big shoe companies, for example. Right. It's all about this critical mass. It, uh, yeah. it doesn't matter if it goes to the particles. Right. Of chemistry or, or thought process, yeah. everywhere the, that critical mass is a basically key position, and we have to reach this somehow. That things, yeah. and okay. so poses. Yeah, running. Let's the do the concept. What controversy to, to push off was um, it's a falling. So this is a radical difference. The difference between telling people to push off versus this idea that you're falling it's is, correct. These are seemingly the, counterintuitive. It's very easy to demonstrate, you know, like this. You know. Yeah. So, the, but behind this uh, incredible conceptual base that, uh, first of all, it's a law of conservation, which was um, formulated in 1847 by Hermann Helmholtz. You see, and that is uh, that um, law is telling movement or energy uh, cannot be created or destroyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it only could be transformed from one form to another. Okay. That is a first of all. So, our source of movement outside us. This is what point. Not muscles. Muscles are internal. They only change our body parts to each other. You know, so changing yeah. poses. They cannot move us. That is illusion what people had, that muscles are moving us. And, uh, but law of conservation uh, completely denying this. Okay. Exists another law of mechanics or principle, which is telling that any material body could be moved from point A to point B, or I mean transfer in space and time only by 
external force or energy. And you see, muscles are internal force. <laughs> yeah. So if you're floating in space, it doesn't make right. a difference what you do with your body. You're not going of course. There. there has to be something acting on you. That the it's correct. Directing that allows you to it's move. It's correct. Right. And that source... Uh, of energy or movement is only one on the on the earth it's a gravity mm -hmm. that it's called potential energy of gravity and the point is only how you can possess this or transfer it or consume it that mm -hmm. what about Paul's method and <laughs> i love this so the, the beginning of this is the only force that we're working with is gravity the only thing we can do is transfer, transform that force. Yeah. And we're doing that with these poses that we're still going to get to, that that's actually, that is the foundation of movement fundamentally. It's, it's correct. Poses, no, not only running. Yes, yeah. I was going to say, the specific, we'll talk about the specific ones for running, but this is true for any movement you're going to do. It's correct, right. It. And it's always the way how you transfer it. And pose method is exactly that method of transformation. Okay, got it. Consuming. I'm using this word consuming yeah. gravity and transformation it into any movement what we are living into on the frame of gravity. Got it. That, and in running, it's very simple. It exists only one point of pose which allows to do this. There is no other pose. There's only one single pose. No matter you're on sprint or you're running ultramarathon, it's the same pose. <laughs> Vertical position called okay. mid-stance if you want to, but it's not exactly meaning of this. Right. So, um, so just to, and we're going to have to describe this. This will be tricky for people who are just listening and not watching. Um, it'll be tricky for people watching too, because neither of us stand or neither of us are standing and demonstrating, Ooh, but I have your book. I could actually pull up a picture. So the key pose is this one that you have when you're, you have one foot on the ground and you're basically upright. Mm -hmm. Um, now your limbs are positioned differently. You're not just standing on one foot, but but there's that that point in the middle of that running movement. Right. You're basically vertical, and then your body's in some other. Your other limbs are organized appropriately. Behind this is just simple physics. Our body is inverted pendulum, okay. and particularly when you're standing on one leg, like biggest part of the mass. Yeah. Over your leg on the top. Got it. It's 62% of the body mass uh, located above its waist up. <laughs> I, I like that image, the inverted pendulum. So if we think of a pendulum, there's the fulcrum that is the point right. that holds the string, and there's it's the correct. point that swings. Just turn that upside down, your foot it's on the correct. ground. Uh, inverted the pendulum, yes. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. This it. is in physics, call it like that. Yeah. And so it exists only. What is in the physical, uh, from physical point of view, physics point of view? It's a GCM, it's called, it's a mathematical point. It's, an, it's not material point, but when body in a very specific position, GCM over point of support, it's become, which become pivotal point or point of rotation. So your, your center of mass over that pivotal point. Yes, and yeah. that's why you have to put your limbs in very specific position. <laughs> This pose comes. That's why your arms here like that, bend in your elbows. That's why your swing leg bend in elbows. That's why well, foot under the hip. It all comes to this. So to make, I'm holding, I'm holding this oh, up. Yes, right. Is there is there a better image than the one that's on page? Yes. Is there are other images? But this one good. This one, yeah, pose right here. Right. 
Yeah. So I'm holding this up. This is in page eight, just for people who care. Right. The right. book, The Running Revolution. So I'm going to hold this up while you describe this, what I'm this showing. This AM, it's a, like, imagine point on the center of hips from the side view, mm -hmm. sagittal point view, and then draw the vertical line to the uh, down to support. It will be on the ball of the foot. And the line up will go to the head on the ear position because GCM of the head is just above a little bit ear, you know? Mm -hmm. That Got is it. what pose. So again, so and plus S-like position means that you are accumulating muscular tendon elastic component. Springness. So there's two there's two pieces. So just to, to again, I'm paraphrasing. So you have this essentially straight line going. We're going to do the inverted pendulum. So I'm starting from the bottom, mm -hmm. from the ball of your foot up to mm -hmm. your hip, up basically to your head is a straight line, right? A vertical line, and then the uh, so that's your support part, and the other part, which is your leg, which has this sort of from your with your arms and your leg S like position, sort of S like position. That's mm -hmm. part of the part of the action that's actually doing that transforming of gravity, that consuming it's, and transforming. Correct. Uh, and that S-like position is uh, most vulnerable for falling as well. It, it's, a, it. it's a, this is what two things together in one point, you know, we, we're accumulating. And nature created it long time ago, obviously, not me or anyone else. <laughs> well, this is, it's funny. This is a really interesting point is that when you're in that position is when you're most prone to falling. It's correct. If you, right. if you do that correctly, that's what's yes. going to running. And the funny thing is, it's not only fall forward good. Yeah, yeah, it can go either way. Any direction. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I mean, right. it, it's funny because, you know, there's this whole thing about learning how to balance on one foot and balancing with your, with your, with your eyes closed. And the reason that's difficult is you're wired to be falling in some direction. That's correct. Position. Okay, got it. This, so this, this is, is nature's creation. <laughs> so, and again, I'm going to, I'm trying to sum up and paraphrase. So basically that position, that is the key pose for running. And, but there's, but there are others as well, because otherwise you're just standing there in that position, but there's right. more, more that happens. So from that, please continue. So when that pose was found, uh, it's become uh, actually a key point for teaching as well. So yeah. you have to teach through the pose. Mm. In order to fall, you have to be in pose. Mm. And you have to reproduce pose at any speed, at any speed. This becomes skill. The good runner is a who can reproduce. Falling means pose because falling condition depends directly from the condition of reproducing your pose. So the, the thing that you explained to me and showed me um, by doing something that I loved, which was looking at a video that we made of me running, this is something that was really the light bulb moment for me, which I didn't understand about Pose Method from the introduction that I had to it some number of years ago, where I, I sort of dismissed it, frankly, because I didn't really get it. And what you showed is that to get that we looked at this video of me frame by frame and eventually I got to the pose, but it was taking too long to get there. I wasn't being as efficient as possible because it was taking basically that I was, the pendulum was starting too far off center before I got to the pose. And, and I never, another one. you're destroying pose too early. <laughs> Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah, good point. So, but I had never really thought about that. And what we saw in the video was like, it was taking at, at I don't know, whatever it was, 24 frames a second. I don't know what the, the camera shot 29.7. Is that what it is on an iPhone? Uh-huh. 
Oh, okay. Um, a video camera used to be 16 and anyway, whatever. Oh, it's a, it's That's a, a Charlie Chaplin movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, 16. <laughs> way back when. So, and just so for people who care, a regular movie is 24 frames a second. So you get a 24th of a second, but then 24th of a second that's black. And then another 20. Anyway, point being that when you compared my running to say Usain Bolt, which sounds crazy, but I'm going to ask you to point out why it doesn't matter and why it makes sense to be able to compare to Usain Bolt. Or I could have compared to a, a good marathoner as well. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Yeah. They were getting to the pose in, say, a frame, frame and a half when it was taking me three frames. And there's no reason that I couldn't be get hit the pose as fast as they are. It's correct. Usain Bolt actually getting into the pose is half of frame. <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, that's my goal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change my camera settings to um, to 120 frames a second and see what happens. I analyzed him quite long time and quite many different his uh, yes. That uh, imagine standard uh, speed of the um, cameras um, video cameras in the industry is a 29.7 frames. Yeah. It means one frame is a zero point. Zero thirty-three milliseconds. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And the time of support of um, Usain Bolt zero point seventy-eight. Yeah, about 0.08, Yeah. So imagine how quickly you're getting into. <laughs> so, but you know, if you could just say say something more about the fact that the fact that Usain Bolt is doing this in half a frame in less than in less than half of eight hundredths of a second, which is the ground contact time. Yeah. Why is that applicable to your average casual runner? Uh, it doesn't matter. Gravity doesn't care. You send Bolt or you Mr. Session. I'm making a t-shirt. Gravity doesn't care. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. So it's not about, I mean, you can do it. It's just, you know, making sure that you are, working with gravity properly, knowing how to align properly. This is what point about your skill level. Uh, Lawrence Gonzalez in his book, Deep Survival, he told, nature doesn't care about the level of your skill. <laughs> Good, point. Good point. So so the pose, this was the aha moment. This was the key pose for running. Right. Obviously, again, like we said, it's not just hitting that pose because otherwise you're just standing on one leg. So talk about the other components that allow you to actually be running. Yes, that's why in pose method based on the three invariables, what call invariables. Mm. It means whatever, whoever running there, pose, fall, pull. <laughs> pose, fall, pull. Everyone okay. goes through these stages and only with the huge deviations <laughs> or not. <laughs> well, and to be clear, I mean, this is a cycle. It's, I mean, we could say right. pose, fall, because pull. Because it's cycle, or we could it's say, a or we could cyclical say movement to running. Yeah. And we're starting with pose, but we could also start with pull. We could start with fall. So just to be clear, it's not, this is a, it's a circle, if you will. So, uh, one of the greatest scientists in physics, uh, he told something like that. Nature likes uh, cycles uh, and rhythms. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, okay. So describe fall and pull, the two other components to running. Uh, falling, it's uh, simply the why falling uh, not um, perceived because falling for people is uh, that, <laughs> you know. Right. Most people think of falling as just dropping something. Right. Like okay. But um, it's um, mechanics. In mechanics exists um, total mechanical energy equation where exists potential energy plus kinetic energy, right? 
and they are exchanged between each other proportionally. Okay. As much potential energy reduced, so much kinetic increase, you see? So use, the, I'm going to use an example for people who are less physics-minded than you or I. You have a rock at the top of a hill. It has nothing but potential energy. Yes, right. When it rolls to the bottom of the hill, it's at full speed. All that potential yes. energy is now converted. And losing potential, Right. how much it's losing potential, so much it's gained kinetic energy. This is what law of conservation. Yep. <laughs> and between this potential and kinetic, everything is <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, yeah. cyclical movement is a reproducing cycle, potential into kinetic and kinetic into potential. This is what essence of running technique, but not only running, it's a, any movement goes yeah. through that cycle. Jumping, yeah, jumping <laughs> is the same. Hitting uh, of course, same. of course. Yeah. Muscular tendon elasticity, it's just a kinetic energy become potential energy. And then when it released, recoil, it's a kinetic again. One of the things that I, I rail about that people don't seem to understand, when they talk about natural running form, for example, or they talk about landing on their the ball of their foot, and they say, well, why can't I just do that in a regular shoe with a big heel? I go, well, because then you're not using your Achilles tendon to take that kinetic energy. Yeah, you're losing the strength And recycle it. That you don't get the full extension of the, of the Achilles, the thing that is designed to help you do that. All right. This is what... Uh, Hoka uh, shoes, for example, there's this uh, with thickness issue. Uh, it's comfortable for people to run on a very rough terrain, right? But at uh, the same time, they are damaging already the whole body, right? Because it's substitution for own springless system, and it's never going to be as good, and it's going to wear out. And of course, yeah, yeah, yeah all of course. Of okay, so uh, so let's consequence over there for a long time, and it's like you're accumulating this negative. Yeah. It doesn't happen on day one, but yeah, it, it well. Uh, we can go down that road forever. So, but let's go back to fall and pull and describe those and how this starts. We're going to, I, I want to get to the point where we're describing this cycle in a way that people who are listening can get it in their mind. And then everything we'll... starts from falling, like everything on, on the earth falling, mm. falling. And every force on the ground, on the natural movement, if not mechanisms, which we invented, like, uh, uh, and combustion engines, you know, it's all based on uh, that they are derivative from gravity. Okay. So this is what, very important to understand. This hierarchy of forces is called, and that this is what you reproduce. In order to use force of muscles and tendons, you have to connect them with gravity because gravity unveiling, <laughs> like getting out of this potential. You see, without gravity, but gravity is a potential thing. And okay. somehow it's supposed to become kinetic, right? And gravity to us appears in our two senses, like um, uh, it's a body weight pressure on the ground when we're in free falling. This okay. is what, how we perceive gravity, because gravity doesn't come like a girl. I am gravity. <laughs> <laughs> no, we well, we, we and, don't and, know gravity yet. What the hell is that? Still, you know. Right. So, so we perceive gravity either as just you know the force that we're feeling, just standing, for example. Pressure. Or, yes, pressure in some way, or the lack thereof when we're free falling through it. Right. In that. In that. Yes. Energy. When you're <laughs> stepping in a place where no ground, suddenly you are in the free falling. <laughs> What um, happened to you? Panic. My, my, you know, my my favorite version of that, um, when it's late at night, the lights are off and you forget yeah. how many stairs there are and you think there's one more stair. It's like, ah! Right. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It's a funny thing that old castles, stairs, 
we are built up and uneven stairs. Because when fighting happens, somebody comes with a rhythmical uh, sort of stairs and suddenly shot. Oh, how funny. <laughs> That's they very cute and they knew how to happen. That is really funny. It's the world's first alarm system. I love it. Um, um, so falling, I mean, people think of falling as a passive action, falling through space. So how does that affect, or how is it that falling is connected to actually running? Because you're clearly not going from the stance position to then being on the ground. You're doing yeah. something so that you're, so. so say more about that. Okay, you have to understand gravity or imagine or some kind of think of as a river running downhill in the mountains. Okay. And you are on the raft. Okay. So what you're doing? You're really increasing speed of raft moving or you're just trying to keep yourself on this streamline? Okay. This is what, how we're dealing with gravity. We cannot add anything to gravity. We have to only consume gravity, like stream. Okay. Yeah. Is a flow. Well, I mean, if we're paddling, I mean, just- I'm No, gonna... you cannot. You're paddling only to keep yourself on the streamline, you know? Well, I'm going to pick apart your metaphors for the fun of it. I mean, if we're paddling, if we are going faster than the stream is going downhill, the only reason we're able to do that is because we're actually, we're taking a different gravitational vector and transforming that. It's correct. It's the same thing. But uh, you, you understand that you're using falling there, your body weight. Ah, okay. Good point. That when, on the bike, it happened like that. So there exist hills where you can pedal. I'm going to stick with the raft thing for a second because this is really interesting to me. So what you're doing when you're paddling, what you're saying, because this is counterintuitive, you're using gravity to paddle because you're using your body. But what we feel as that muscular force is actually right. the thing that we're using to combat this falling, this gravitational thing. Correct. So you're applying think, body weight. But we think of it upside down. We think that we're applying the yes, force rather than it's, we're, it's illusion. effective working with gravity in that way. It's illusion what people have. Yeah, interesting. I published two articles on rowing with done in New Zealand Otago University research, yeah. which confirmed this idea really well. We yeah. prepared uh, young girls, uh, four girls in um, to row uh, paddles uh, oars. Crew. crew, yeah. Yeah, crew, novice, and um, very experienced mm -hmm. level. In one week, we prepared these girls, obviously, before uh, measurement. Mm -hmm. They lost a lot for the group of advanced uh, rowers. And then we one week or 10 days, we prepared them this post-method rowing technique, which I developed, and they performed same results. Wow. <laughs> and so, th and again, it sounds crazy, but what you're describing in rowing is using gravity slash body weight rather than trying to, I don't That's know what doing otherwise, not That's using correct. Okay, right. Okay, it. Right. All right. So, and then it actually costs much less physiologically. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, of course. So the falling, I mean, this is not an active thing that you're doing. No, you can't absolutely help not. No. So in a way, the fall part of Poe's method is sort of descriptive, sort of because it's not an active thing that you're doing. No, yes, so we're allowing, we call, we're calling, allow yourself to fall. Right, okay. That's why you have to be stay in pose. Don't destroy pose. You have to stay in pose until your support is ending. Got it. So now this is an interesting thing. Back to you know the ground contact time for a sprinter being eight hundredths of a second. Not a whole lot of time. Is I mean, you, you, it's not like you can think. 
I'm going to stay imposed while I'm it's falling. On the common sense level, you know, you cannot do <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Push off extending three major joints and involving something 200 muscles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't you can't think that fast. So, interesting. Uh, not only fast, it's impossible. You have to send oh, so many different group of muscles requests. <laughs> well, actually, it's an interesting point. The amount of time that it takes for a signal to go down your nerves to do that. Well, it's impossible. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what people don't understand about boxing. When you watch boxing on television, they think, well, why can't you just, you know, can't that guy just block that thing? And it's because no. the boxers <laughs> are so good at not telegraphing the move. The time that it takes for a boxer to move their hand to your face is faster than it takes for that signal to go from your eye to your brain. You can't perceive <laughs> that's, that's why I exist in other way. Maybe next time we will talk uh, about We'll this. go into that. Okay. All right. So we have we have pose and then this falling thing occurs because you mm -hmm. set yourself up properly in pose. Right. And now we're into pull. So talk about that. Right. Pull, it means you have to recover your support foot into mm -hmm. the next pose. <laughs> Yeah. So you're just getting your the foot that was the support foot off the ground, which mm -hmm. it would happen anyway. I mean, you're going right. to come off the ground, but it's yes. getting from where it was in support um, as it's coming off the ground into that next pose. And this is the part that I saw on my video. And the way you described it is once you see it, you can't unsee it, is that I was not recovering. I was not going from, I was not right. doing the pull phase properly to get to the next pose quickly. Because um, uh, on a common sense level, people think about landing. Right. And this um, this uh, two controversial actions, pulling and landing, you know. So I'm gonna I'm reframing this in a number of different ways. So and again, because this is a cycle, it's hard, it's very hard to think about this as a cycle because we so like to think of things linearly, but it's not like I could just pull my foot off the ground and be in pose better because the only way I can do that right is if I had the right pose to begin with. It's correct. So, so they all feed into each other. And to your point, the thing that we always talk about, um, you know, the big boogeyman of running is overstriding, is landing with your foot in front of your center of mass because yeah. that's putting the brakes on and therefore you won't be able to get into the right pose fast enough. You won't be able to fall properly. You won't be able to to pull, recover properly. It's conventional <laughs> wisdom, it's called. <laughs> because <laughs> <was> conventional wisdom. <laughs> yes. Well, it seems so obvious to me, at least right now. But again, this is just, to your point, people think about landing. I would argue people think about landing in part because we have eyes in front of our head instead of behind our head as well. Not. Uh, you don't think uh, there are more... No, it's much more strong reason that well, the because landing is a support. Yes. It's a safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a human's life based on safety things and support, uh, being on the support, it's safe. Uh, Imagine see. yourself when the earthquake happened, right. you're losing support, the main thing in your life, your <laughs> ground. So they are... Oh trying to get to the support because for them, it's a safety. <laughs> I think you're going to like this story. Um, do you know Ken Bob Saxton? He calls himself. Yes, of course. Oh, I met probably. I, I, of course, I assume so, but I had to ask it that way. So Ken and I, we talked about running downhill. And what most people try to do is like what you're saying. They want to land. They want to be safe. They overstride. They put their foot in front of their center of mass. And people say to Ken, how do you run downhill? He goes, as fast as possible. <laughs> it's like, don't, you don't need to be, I mean, you don't want to, don't want to be stupid, but the whole idea is that you can let yourself go downhill, let the hill do the work. Right. And it won't feel it's, uh, 
uh, uh, his sentence uh, a little bit uh, over, uh, overdue, you know, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. exists a level of speed which you can handle. It is that's it's right. A, well, exactly. The scale. Yeah, you know. Yes, you, you don't want to try to um, you don't want to pick a hill bigger than you, but um, but the the idea being that what most people do is like to your point they try to stay safe instead of finding that edge where it's the right the right amount of of using the hill to handle the speed that you can move at. All right, yeah. this is the skill level defining yes. point, you know. So this is so interesting. So it sounds like part of what you're saying, and please correct me as I know you will. So one of the obstacles that people have for learning effective running, learning to get to into pose, have falling occur so that pull can happen correctly is that they're not comfortable with that, the subtle discomfort of being in that right position to begin with, because it doesn't right. feel initially safe until you get used to it. Right. I'll give you just example, uh, because you're a sprinter, the best of my knowledge about you. <laughs> sure. For example, you understand that running downhill using gravity is kind of helpful thing, right? Yeah. Okay, now fact. No one sprint is a wall not using a hill with an inclination of more than three to five degrees. Are we talking about running downhill or uphill? Downhill, downhill. So they're never going to train with an inclination higher than three to five degrees. It's correct. Okay. And your point is? <laughs> but because you're exceeding. Bigger, the hill is bigger than you are. It's correct. Ah. There are physics, simple ah. physics. I published about this article. Uh, nobody paid attention <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to start, Nick, you have to start writing in English instead of Russian. That's the secret. No, no, it's, it's in English. It was published in Switzerland, in Lausanne, the conference. Okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, probably because it's Europe so far away from yeah, there you go. America, That's you know. The water but, uh, dilutes the ink. That's what it is. Yes, but yeah. the point is very simple. You know, the biggest angle of falling in the field of gravity is a twenty-two point five degrees. This is article I published about. Okay. It's called geometry of running. You know, if people want to read, <laughs> and means that point you cannot overdo. <laughs> Behind this point, you just cannot come back again to the pose. So let me, I'm going to, again, describe that for humans. So here you are on one leg on support. As you start to fall, if your body gets past 22 degrees off of mm -hmm. vertical, then you won't be able to recover fast enough to actually continue. It's correct. It's correct. Right. It. So best sprinters, if five degrees, it means the best sprinters right now in average, about 18, uh, 19 degrees uh, speed they run. Do you understand? Oh, so if the best sprinters are already at 18 or 19 degrees, they've only right. got three degrees to play with, three to five to play with. Oh my God, that is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. And and similarly, I mean, look, you can fake that with overspeed devices, but the right. idea with an overspeed device, you still won't be able to do more than three to 5% of the no. speed because you won't be able to recover fast enough. Oh, that is right. so cool. <laughs> I don't know why people... Not reading science. <laughs> uh, you know, reading is hard for people. Come on, you know that. Uh -huh. So what we've just done is we've sort of described the whole thing in a way that I'm hoping people get the, I mean, it, this kind of gives me chills, frankly. And if you don't get it, like go back and listen again, but let's go into the, the next part. So, which is, so you, you discovered this, but then how did this, what do you then do that turns this into a method of teaching or more importantly, a method of learning how to do this? Uh, it's a big <laughs> thing uh, because yeah. after that, it's come up one. topic which called perception. 
Mm. It's, it's incredible. I cannot uh, give you even grasp of this uh, our short meeting. I wrote about this in few books, you know, and uh, perception. Because what we're teaching, we're teaching perception. Well, let me let me reframe it this way for you. I don't want to leave people hanging because I know okay. at the point that you know there people are going to want to go. All right, what do I do next? Or if they're teaching, you know, what do I need to do to learn how to communicate this? So, in the given that we could spend hours doing this because we already have, what would be the simplest thing that you could say for? Let's just f- go for the average runner who wants to l- start to apply this whole idea. I mean, obviously, and we'll talk about you know your book in a sec. But in lieu of that, for a moment, in the time between now and when someone's going to get to a bookstore or you know go to Amazon or whatever, if they want to go out immediately and experiment with something. What do you recommend they do? Uh, learn to, how to fall. <laughs> <laughs> That's very... Did I tell you how I teach barefoot running? I tell you the story? So yeah. one of the things that I do with people is I say, let's, you know, look at little kids where their heads are still way too big for their body. And I go, let's, you know, we'll go out on a grassy area and I want you to keep your arms like flopping by your side. Don't use your arms and just like lean your head until it's too far and you're about to fall. And then just do as little as you can to not actually fall and then keep moving your head in other directions. And like, you know, you don't have to go in one direction, but just like let your head guide you to almost fall and just don't let yourself just barely keep yourself from falling. And then just like, and do it till you don't care what other people in the park think of you till you're just having fun and you couldn't care less what other people think. That's what how the way this is what how kids naturally yeah go into running and yeah. then mass media right. neighbors experienced runners start teach them push off stride mm. <laughs> lengths and all this nonsense what comes <laughs> so, yeah got him think about this so funny I want to really harp on this because this is such a big deal. If you go out and just practice falling, you're not going to land on your face. You're not that stupid. No. But if all you do is practice falling. The fans mechanism have. <laughs> yeah. And don't worry about the rest. Don't think about, you know, what running form looks like, whatever. Just, you know, uh-huh. lean enough, like start on one foot, lean enough to start to fall and try to get to that next foot in such a way that you can continue a, let's call it a controlled fall for lack of a better term. Just uh, it will last, but not long. Yes. Because yes. Uh, you, without falling, uh, I mean, without pose, you cannot continue Control. fall too long. Correct. And then you will be lost with the pulling. Uh-huh. Because, uh, and so your falling will continue like a drunk man uh, goes uh, to the only... <laughs> nearest the wall or (laughs) (laughs) okay but all right so i'm going to correct i'll do a course correction then but this idea of starting with falling even if you're doing maybe you know just two steps two or three steps yes right this is a good idea okay just to get good advice okay but uh, when you're reaching level it's called threshold yeah you understand everything is threshold uh, exists so your next falling will require time line of pose and you're not there then you're falling next next fall already gone right it will be break got it again this is where the whole thing that it's a this cycle comes in you can't just keep practicing falling because that just won't work because you have to get pulling and pose in there or you know it all falls apart in two steps right so but otherwise so, drunkers will be best runners in the world <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they are um they're some of the best fighters because they have the, the, there's no resistance uh the so and so people want to then practice I'm, I'm just 
playing with this in my head for the first time. So they practice falling a couple of steps. Right. They can practice pulling a couple of steps. Right. And then eventually you can start to put these things together by the time, you know, you've gone to Amazon to buy your book or found someone. Who's <laughs> yeah, that's a good but, idea. But I, but I do want to highlight what you were starting to talk about. The key thing that you have to develop to do this. And I would argue, I haven't videotaped myself since you were out here. I've got to do it and have some fun with that. And the only reason I haven't is that my training partner can't seem to hold a camera straight no matter what we do with her. It's just, she can't do it. So anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, the key thing that you're ultimately having to develop, and this is so, so important, is the perception of what you're doing. The proprioceptive skill to know where your body is in space accurately, because most people don't have that and need video <laughs> feedback to get that accurately, to ingrain that, to internalize that. But the reason this is so critical is that ultimately the only way you can really proceed not that you don't ever need coaching or help or external guidance, but the only way you're going to really be able to maximize the value of that is when you can feel what you're doing, when you become your own coach. I feel not right word for this. It will be what you perceive. You know? How are you distinguishing between the two? I get where you're going, but I'd okay, like to... It's very simple. In psychology, feelings, it's like you are hey, angry, hungry, hungry. That is a feeling, you know? I get it. You're scared, feeling. You don't... Yes. But the perception is a different things, you know? So, let me, so I'll rephrase it. So the key skill is developing the perceptual awareness of your body position, which is called proprioception, so that you can make these course corrections about whether you are hitting pose, falling, pulling. Yes, there are inside this uh, perception of time, perception yes. of space. You, you see, yes. it's not proprioception. Ah, it's, okay. Well, it's, it's, more, than, it's more than proprioception, yes, of course. Yeah, proprioception is internal. Thing. Well, it's, in, it's internal about just the body positioning in space, but it's not including the movement. Uh, the proprioception, what uh, Sherrington described in the 20s, is uh, how uh, you perceive muscles' length, because this is what the um, um, intrafusal elements inside right. muscles saying stretch or contract, you know, right. and you're the body of Golgi on the I was gonna, Yeah, you're tendons, getting information you know? from, from the Golgi fibers from the, the muscle spin right. fibers. Yeah, it, right. This is like, it's a location and condition, you know, of these things, but it's not related with exactly how yeah, you're interacting yeah. with support. Okay, <laughs> okay. so we're going to expand. I'm, I'm going to keep doing this for the fun of it. So the ultimate perceiving that you're doing is a combination of a number of things. Some of it is proprioceptive. Some of it has to do with just time and space. This whole, right. this whole constellation. Perception, exactly. Yeah. Perception means connections, you know. Yeah, right. Perception, deception, is, it's all about different connections, you know. Mm. That is, oh, immaculate conception. <laughs> <laughs> All of the exceptions. I like. I think we, that's another shirt. Um, something. It's about a Latin word which means uh, connection, basically. You know, and not only connection, but it's a very yeah. much global. Because you said it's a Latin word, I have to ask: What's the Russian version of that? Since the Russian version of that word clearly didn't come from Latin. Vosprieti is called. What's the etymology of that? It's a perception, taking in. Got it. Taking in. Interesting. I, my favorite memory about Russian, um, I was in high school and a friend of mine was in college. We were hanging out at another friend's swimming pool and she had a book next to her that was like three inches thick. I said, what is that? She goes, um, I'm studying Russian. This book is called Russian Verbs of Motion. 
was three inches thick. I went, oh, this is a little too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, a nice dictionary. So I want to highlight, because we've we got to wrap this up, um, and this has been such a pleasure and such a treat and a lot of fun. There are a couple of things. One is that I said this to you, and I'm going to reiterate it now because I, I think it's maybe meaningful. There's nothing you can do about this, and I'm, it's not a criticism. One of the reasons that I think I was originally not, I didn't originally understand Poe's method and didn't really gravitate towards it. First of all, I thought it applied mostly to distance runners. I didn't realize that it applied for any running and let alone any physical activity. The second thing is the word method implies something that while it's true, that basically what you described is this thing that is common to all running and especially the better you get, the more what pe so people who are not very skilled may have a lot of idiosyncratic differences. The better you get, the more those disappear. They never become all gone. But like you and I did this, we looked at this video of Usain Bolt running, and then we both did the same thing, which is like, let's look at the other seven guys in the race. And they all had the exact same perfect, almost the exact same perfect form. And that was really cool to see. There were little idiosyncrasies, but those made no difference. Those were tiny, tiny things. So that's another thing that people don't kind of get that, this is a foundation that allows you to move up that pyramid, if you will, to getting rid of those idiosyncratic things that are problematic. But the other thing is that the word method, I don't think does this justice. I think it implies something beyond that, you know, that what you have, what you're talking about is this essential component to effective running that presented that way. I don't know what that would look like would make this, um, no one would have any objection. Nobody would have any argument. They might have a slightly different way of teaching because of their own personal whatever, but fundamentally we're all, we're talking about the same thing. Like no one teaches, you know, the, no one has five different names for how to, how to teach a backflip or how to do a backflip. Backflip is the same thing. It's really, it, it's, you can't do it differently. Running people seem to do it differently. And so this idea of method, it also kind of interferes with people's idea of like, I know how to run. I'm a, you know, humans know how to run. So if I were going to rewrite history, in addition to killing Hitler, I would play with this idea of, of method. And while there is a method to pose, that's not the part that's so exciting to me personally. The exciting part is this common factors thing that as you can start to play with the common factors, that's where the growth comes from. That's the, the but this is was the uh, foundation of my research at the time. Yeah. I was looking in running when I started this. I was looking for not differences. I was looking for commonalities. Yeah, and I found them. Yeah, and that's what I think is, is just so wonderful about this. So anyway, I know I, I think I had a third point or a second point. I don't remember what it was, but that's the part that I find just so so compelling about this, and that. The, you know, these are, well, anyway, it doesn't really matter. So let's just do this last thing to wrap it up. If people want to discover more, I'm going to hold up your book. There it is, The Running Revolution. Yeah. I'm uh, dismayed by what shoe is on the cover. That is. It's not mine. <laughs> I know you didn't pick that. It, it's a publishing house. Yeah. Uh, put this. Yeah, it's don't a, get me started. I was not happy with that, but. Yeah, what are you going to do? So it's the shoe that most people are wearing. They're, you know, they'll relate to it. If they see something that's not what they're wearing, they might be turned off anyway. So it's all good. So the running revolution, you can find it wherever. Your website is Pose Method of Running. And uh, obviously on the Facebook, we have running forum for coaches and Pose Method of Running for everyone. We Great. have like 30,000 people in, on our forum, on general forum. 
Hold on one sec. I'm just typing something in. I just want to check something. Um, so yeah, posemethod.com is the easiest place to find you. And then if you want to find coaching, which I recommend because- uh, We have in different cities, uh, coaches, obviously. Yeah. So you know, it's a great place to start. There's a bunch of YouTube videos as well, not just from you, but from other people who've been doing this. Uh, About so, 500 videos. <laughs> wow, not bad. All shot last week. Um, so, so please go check out um, Dr. Romanoff's work. Please go to postmethod.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you discover. Let us know how this impacts your running your or everything. I mean, that's the thing that's so interesting. If you think about this, one of the examples, I believe, I don't even remember if it's in your book, but think about ballet or about baseball. You, if you start thinking about these essential poses that are the thing that leads you to the next one inevitably to do that movement properly, it really changes the way you start looking at human beings, which is fascinating. And this is true for walking. This is true for hiking. This is yes. true for you know everything you do. Start thinking about gravity in this way that all you're ever doing is transforming gravity. And that will that could have a huge impact. You, by the way, in fact, in a related note, you have a video that's one, that I reference all the time to emphasize why you don't want to overstride. And if you don't overstride, how cool that is, which is running on ice. Yes. People talk about slipping or sliding. It's like, here's, there's a couple of people who've done videos. Convincing video. <laughs> yeah, of running on ice. And if there were any demonstration that sliding and slipping comes from what you're doing, not from the physics of your shoe and the material, it's right. watching that video of running on ice, which I'll include in the show notes as well. That's a super fun one. So anyway, um, Nick, this has been, again, as always, just a, a total, total pleasure. It is mine, Stephen. Thank you. I'm going to get teary when I say this, but, but I can't help it. There are very few times in life where you meet someone and you feel like you have met a long lost brother. And that's Thank how you. I felt in meeting you. And You're so good interviewer that I almost reveal all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to do another one to get the secrets you didn't reveal. <laughs> right. Uh, Thank again. you. Uh, so thank I'm, you, thank you. I touched very much. Uh, pleasure. I would like to give you my hug, but uh, and, uh, we, well, we're not yet in we this. Not figured that technology out yet. Yeah. So for everybody else, um, thank you for being here. It's the longest podcast I've done. I'm thrilled, and we could have gone on for hours longer. Um, if you, in fact, if you want to hear more, let us know, and you know we can schedule part two. More importantly, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. Find out more about what we're doing. Find out the places you can share and like and all that and be, be part of the movement movement. If you have any questions or comments or recommendations, people you want on the show, things you want to talk about or hear about, drop me an email, move at jointhemovementmovement.com. But most importantly, go out, have fun, and live life feet first. <laughs>